Welcome to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast where we're going to be exploring above and below the surface. We'll take in a deep dive into the world of fishing, diving, and surfing. Every week, we're going to sit down with experts to learn more about them and get their freshest, hottest takes on all things salty. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast. I'm your host, Kieran Anderson, and today we have Kaylin Sewell on with us. What's up, Kaylin? Hi, what's up? So you're a frother, you surf, uh, and you travel the world and get sick waves. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> where are uh, where are you from? Give us a little overview on yourself. So I am 18 years old, and I am from Carolina Beach, North Carolina. I currently that's where I currently am, and I attend college in Florida at Flagler College in St. Augustine. I'm on the surf team there, and that's sick. So where did you start surfing at? I started surfing here in Carolina Beach. I moved here when I was four, and when I was around eight years old, my dad taught me how to surf. He had been surfing since he was in college and he really wanted to share the sport with me. And ever since the first time I paddled out, it just stuck. And I'm really happy that's the sport that I chose to go with. That's epic. It's funny because you were literally just in California. and we I know, I'm so sad I missed you. <laughs> I know, we didn't get to surf together, but um, did you have fun here? Oh, absolutely. We surfed Black Beach and Sunday we totally scored. It was amazing in the morning. The waves in California definitely are a lot better than here on the East Coast, but <laughs> they can yeah, still get fun. Talk to me about that. So what's like the biggest difference between the East Coast and here? Um, I think the main difference is the consistency of the waves and how they break. Basically all over the East Coast until you get up like really far north like Maine, all of the breaks are just beach breaks. There's no rocks, reefs, cobblestone, or anything like that like there is in California. And the waves just typically tend to be smaller unless there is a hurricane swell or low pressure or a nor'easter or something like that. And the waves just tend to break further in and don't have as much of a shape as they do in California. And I that's due to the bottom. And Was it gnarly growing up, like learning how to surf on the East Coast compared to like coming back over here definitely when i come to california and then i come back i realize how much better i could have waves but i think that the east coast can be a great place to learn because we do have a lot of smaller days so it it can be really great for beginners because it's not so heavy it's not so crowded and though there's no rock bottom or anything so if you fall and you hit the ground it's just sand so I think that when I was younger, I really appreciated the waves that I had and like the softness and the easiness of the waves here. And I felt like it was a great place to learn. But as you improve, you definitely want to take more trips and go more places because the waves just are not as good here as they are basically anywhere else in the world. How often do you guys get good swell? It depends. In the winter, we typically get better waves, but then you're also in like a 4-3 wetsuit, boots, gloves, and a hood and everything. But in the summer, we can get a couple of good swells. Maybe once a month, twice a month occasionally, we can get some really good waves. That's but... so gnarly. <laughs> but in the Outer Banks of North Carolina, it does get a lot better. And I'm only four hours away from there. So I like to drive up there, especially in the fall. It can get really good. So when you first started surfing on the East Coast, I see you have a foamy behind you. Oh, were yeah. you like, were you riding the catch surf foamies or what were you on? Um, I actually was riding, I think it was a 5'8 sushi from Costco. That's sick. <laughs> That's epic. <laughs> I actually was really glad that I started out on that board 
because I was so small and see I teach surf lessons for my job and we start people out on nine foot boards or 10 foot boards and I think that's great to learn but also the fact that I started out on a smaller board really helped me be able to get into short boarding more easily because sometimes when people learn on really big boards making the, tr the transition to smaller boards can be a lot more difficult yeah but also sometimes people make the mistake of trying to learn on a board that is too small and then getting frustrated because there's just not enough like um it doesn't float them enough there's not enough balance would you say that like because you said you started surfing at like eight right so like with somebody that's eight years old riding like one of those little sushi boards I feel like maybe it'd be easier at that age, but like the bigger you get and the older you get, it'd probably be easier on like a longer board, huh? Absolutely. Like when I do teach younger kids, we have different sizes of boards and like the younger you are, the smaller you are, you get the smaller board. So I, and I think that when kids are anywhere between like five and 10 years old, they can pretty much stand up on anything because they're just so small and like yeah. they don't weigh so much. So it's, it's pretty easy for them to start out on whatever they want. But as you get older, if you're learning, like if I was learning right now and I started out on a 5'8 sushi, I don't think that I would have very much success at all. And you guys don't really have like crazy power behind your waves, right? Unless it's no. like a crazy hurricane swell. So it might be easier to ride like a bigger board or a longer board as well. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's talk about like beginning, uh, beginner surfing like east coast versus west coast because i think this is going to be a really cool topic to talk about and i didn't even know that you taught surf lessons like that's epic so if you were to give tips and tricks right now on beginners uh on where they should start and where they should go what would you say so i think one important thing for a beginner is to kind of study up on where you are going or like, I wouldn't say just go straight to whatever beach is closest to you and just go out. I would definitely do some research. Like, if you lived here on the East Coast, you know, all beaches are pretty much the same. But I would recommend using an app such as, like, Surfline, kind of checking the waves. And I say any day that's around one to two or two to three feet would be perfect um, for beginners to learn. Because if you go out for your first time when it's, like, four to five feet, it's, it can be stressful. And you can put yourself in a position that you're not necessarily ready for. And I think another aspect that is important is also checking the winds because on the East Coast, typically, especially in the afternoons and the summer, um, it can get really, really windy and that can be frustrating and cause some problems for people and um, when they're learning to surf. So I just think that asking local surfers for some advice about where the best spot is to go, when the best time is to go is really important because timing the waves right can be everything. Like when we do surf lessons, we can only teach around low tide because high tide, the waves break way too close to shore. And that can be really dangerous when you don't when you're not completely comfortable with surfing yet. And I also recommend when you start out surfing that um, using a soft top board is very important because when you start out on a like on a hard board, you're obviously going to be falling a lot and having a hard board come back and hit you is going to cause a lot more injuries and than a um than a soft top board would. Are you uh are you a frother when it comes to soft tops? I love soft tops. They're so sick. Oh, absolutely. After work, we have a bunch of foamies on the beach and I will always go and paddle out. It's so fun. I feel like a lot of people like think of soft tops as like 
the most beginner board ever, but you look at like people like Jamie O'Brien who's surfing pipeline with a soft top and like you just have fun with them. And like that's the same thing with the West Coast here. Like everybody learns on a soft top or like a, a sushi or whatever too, like all, all soft tops. But yeah, there's the less cost consequences, right? Like ultimately way less consequences. I feel like it's kind of funny because I kind of feel like soft tops can come full circle in a way. Like everyone starts out on foamies and soft tops and then they're like, okay, I really want to get a hardboard. You know, I want to take this seriously. But then as you progress and as you surf for a while, I feel like everyone tends to kind of gravitate back towards the soft top for certain days and certain waves just to like have more fun with the sport and everything. Absolutely. I think a soft top can be fun for all levels. For sure. A hundred percent. I was just going to ask you like, if the waves are smaller, are you on a soft top? Oh, absolutely. Or the longboard that's above my head right now. Um, <laughs> I can also take that out. Um, I also have a no-brainer, which I'll take out some days when it's small, but I typically have a lot more fun on the soft top or the longboard, especially the soft top, because it kind of allows you to not take it as seriously and just, like, it can be hard when you've been surfing for a really long time and you're trying to constantly get better and sometimes I feel like the soft tops remind you to still have like a lot of fun with the sport and just have a good time. I agree a hundred percent with that one. I mean I feel like sometimes we're like always trying to grind out short boards, but soft tops are the go to when it's just having fun. If you were to give surf lessons on the West Coast versus the East Coast, is there like a huge difference that you could see with uh the quality of la- waves or like wind and stuff like that? So what I think the main difference would be is if I were to give surf lessons on the West Coast, most of the breaks, since they happen so far out, have a very solid inside section where it's just white water coming in and the white water can carry a beginner on like a bigger board for a very long time. As um, the East Coast typically doesn't have so much white water because it's a lot closer to shore. So the majority of the days I have to take everyone that I'm teaching lessons to all the way on the outside. So it can kind of be a good thing or a bad thing because sometimes I think that the whitewater would make it a lot easier and they could just get standing up and get a lot more waves. But also bringing that beginner when I'm teaching lessons out to the outside already allows them to kind of like feel for how, feel how the waves are and see kind of how people surf when they know like, or um just kind of see like where everybody is when they're surfing and kind of learn how to paddle into their own waves and get a better feel for the waves as well so it can kind of go either way and also in california i'm sure there are definitely spots that you could take to the outside as well i just feel like they have more of a um defined inside section what do you uh what's like your typical day of giving a surf lesson look like like where do you start in the morning for somebody that's never surfed before like where do you start so what we do is based on their size we size them with a certain soft top and then i will take out a board of my own and on the beach i will explain to them you know what the parts of the board are like the nose and the tail and the leash and what the fins are and what they do And then I will show them on land how to paddle, how to get over waves and how to pop up and then have them practice all of that. And that will typically last for about 10 minutes. And then based on like sometimes people do only one hour lessons or two hour lessons. And um, after that, I'll just take out a board with them and I will help them paddle out to the outside and just kind of explain to them what kind of wave we're looking for and 
I'll start by like pushing them into the waves. And then as they get more confident popping up, then kind of start to have them paddle into the waves on their own. Do you guys go over like surf etiquette and stuff like that? We do a little bit more so safety um, just because we were out there the whole time. But if if someone was looking to rent a board or surf on their own after the lesson, we absolutely do. Just there's a certain there's a couple of few there's a few things that I feel like everyone should know because unlike other sports like soccer or football where there's kind of written rules, surfing doesn't necessarily have like a set of rules, but there's kind of like unspoken rules um, regarding what you do when you're in a lineup, like the um, like dropping in on someone. You know, if if you're sitting out and there's other people out there and the peak of the wave or where like the wave is the biggest, um, if someone's going and they look like they're kind of heading in your direction, you don't go on that wave just because that would be called dropping in on them or cutting them off. And we just tell them, you know, um, if someone's on that wave heading your way, you just, you don't go and you wait for the next one. And we also tell them that sometimes when you're a beginner, you might not want to go as far out as some of the other surfers, but you just want to be cautious to make sure you're not kind of sitting in front of anyone. Um, just like if, cause if they're going to go on the waves, but you're on the inside, you can prevent them from going on, like riding their wave all the way in. And one more thing is as surfers, when you see other surfers out there, you're kind of like drawn to go paddle out where they are. But we just kind of tell them that obviously you can go near other surfers because there's going to be surfers out everywhere. But when you paddle out, don't paddle out directly in front of where the surfers are sitting because then the whole time that you're paddling out it can kind of like hinder their ability to catch waves so you kind of want to paddle like on either side of them from where you live right now or you live in florida when you go to college obviously but like in the carolinas are there good spots for beginner surfers there are actually the the place that we teach lessons it's on hamlet avenue and that's a really great spot because a the um Kind of like the head of the lifeguard, like the main stand is right there just in case anything happens. It's more of a popular spot and you do see you do see people, a lot of like the locals and stuff will go out there, but it's typically where a lot of beginners will learn. And it's also great because if you were to take a lesson, then you could paddle out somewhere you're familiar with. But yeah, pretty much because I am on the East Coast and all of the bottoms are sand, pretty much all of the spots break the same. So it's more so just where other surfers are and where that beginner may feel most comfortable or where they feel like they know kind of the water and the beach the most. What are some like big beginner mistakes that you see happen a lot? My biggest mistake that I see for beginners is being way too far back on their surfboard where the front is kind of just sticking up because then it really hinders their ability to paddle into waves. So. If you are on a foamy or like a longer board, what we recommend at lessons is where the leash attaches to the board is where you want your toes. Because if you are any further up, it can make it a lot easier for when you paddle into a wave to nosedive, like your board will go down. And if you're any further back or if your legs are hanging off all the way in the back, it, you're not going to be able to paddle into waves because too much weight is on the back of your board. So. Just knowing that like 
I think that people need to know that if they feel like they're not catching anything, maybe scooch up a little bit further on the board. And if their board keeps kind of going forward, they need to scooch back a little bit and adjusting that. Uh, when you were starting off surfing, is there anything that like you could look back on and think to yourself like, oh, I should have done this or done that? Absolutely. Um, one thing that I'm glad I did, but also I feel like was kind of a mistake was I, for a very long time, I kind of had nerves about paddling all the way to the outside. So I would kind of try and hop on the inside and like push myself onto the white water, kind of like stand on the sandbar and jump onto my board, which was great because I would catch a lot of waves. But I think that it is important, especially if you're learning more so like at an older age to just paddle out there. Um, obviously not on a bigger day, but when it's smaller and just really try and learn how to paddle yourself into waves because I felt like I was pushing myself onto the waves from the sandbar for way too long. So I was able to get good, but I wasn't that good at paddling into my own waves and choosing the right waves. Do you have any like warm up routines before you go out and surf? Because you you do contests and stuff now too, right? I do. I've yes. been competing for seven years, I think, a long time. Sick. What's your, what's your like daily routine for you personally when you go before you go surf? Honestly, I wish I had more of a routine than I do, but obviously before heats and contests or just before I surf, like when I'm driving to the surf spot, um, I like to listen to music that kind of like gets me excited for surfing and <laughs> just pumped up, especially when the waves are big. It can kind of help with like my confidence and get me excited to go out there. And I, I do a little bit of stretching I feel like I should do more because sometimes you'll see people on the beach, you know, like stretching for a whole like 15 minutes. And I mean, I think it's I think it's smart because I think that like any other sport, if you kind of just jump right into it without any warm up or anything, you could potentially injure yourself or um, get tired easier. So I will just kind of do a couple stretches, especially like with my arms to kind of get ready for a lot of paddling and things. But I think that I need to develop more of a stretch routine before I go out. I also, especially before a contest or if um, like if the waves are bigger, I will kind of study them for a second because sometimes on the East Coast, there's not really much of a channel anywhere to paddle out in, but sometimes there can be spots where the wave, the set waves aren't really breaking or like a little rip current or something. So I like to kind of study um, where the waves are breaking, where it looks like the easiest way to paddle out and make sure there's not any current like to decide if I need to walk down the beach or anything as well. But yeah, I, I don't really have too much of a routine. Yeah, me neither. I'm so bad at the routines. Let's talk about like different uh, sizes. Let's talk about like different sizes with soft tops. So obviously you were saying like as a smaller age, you can ride a smaller board. Um, and then as you gradually get bigger, somebody that's so brand new, needs to ride a big board like somebody like our size that's a full-grown adult can definitely get on a soft top like a full-size soft top but there's so many different sizes and you were just talking about how when you give lessons you utilize different sizes and how do you like measure up a size of a person to us to a soft top so what we do at work is we have an eight foot soft top and then a nine foot soft top and then a 10 foot soft top. We have smaller, but we typically don't use those. And eight foot goes from typically anyone from four to nine years old, depending on their height. 
just kind of like a smaller, a smaller child, like elementary school. And then I would say the nine foot, it kind of has more of a wide range, kind of more so like middle school, like teenager. But like for me, as like an older teenager, like our full grown adults, we put them on the 10 foot. Um, like height, well, it's not like a specific height, but I would say maybe like below five feet could go on an eight foot and then like middle five feet, like five feet to like five foot five inches or something could go on like a nine foot and then anyone, um, anyone taller than that, we would put on a 10 foot. And it also kind of depends on comfort level. Like if we were questioning it, say if someone was a really good swimmer, like really athletic or something, you could always go be more lenient or go down to a nine foot instead of a 10. But if someone didn't have too much experience like swimming or doing many sports or anything, then a 10 foot would probably be the better option. You were talking about like surf safety and everything like that with, with surf safety. What do you guys usually talk to the um, clientele about before paddling out? Um, There's two main things of what we talk about. One of the things is called caging up where you kind of like just put your hands like this. Um, when you fall off of your board or if you ditch your board, like put it behind you, um, we just want to make sure when you come back up, you're not coming back and you're hitting your head on the board. Or if it's especially if it's a really windy day, this can be really important because your board may have gotten picked up. And if it hasn't landed yet, you just want to make sure it doesn't hit your head. And um, we also talk about this, which is also kind of surf etiquette, where if a wave is coming and you cannot confidently paddle over it, and you need to ditch your board, it's very, very, very important to look behind you. Because if you just let go of your board, yes, it is still attached to you, but if someone is behind you, that board's gonna hit them and then it's gonna cause a whole other issue. And you just need to make sure that you don't get too far behind or like you're too close behind or too close in front of somebody because if a set wave comes, that can cause a serious issue. And one more thing we talk about is when you're paddling out, um, or when you're walking out especially, or swimming, you wanna make sure, if you're not on top of that board, that you're holding the board beside you. And if a, you, if a wave comes, you can put it behind you, but you never want to let the board get in between you and the wave. Because if the wave hits that board first, then that board is gonna go into you, and then you're going to have a pretty heavy wipeout, <laughs> and <laughs> it's not going to be great. <laughs> What about for like leashes and stuff? You were just talking about like bailing your board and making sure that you look behind you. But um, what are the importance of leashes? And like, have you had any experiences where you didn't use a leash and you lost your board and had to swim in? Absolutely. I think that leashes are very important. I still do not understand how some people will ride long boards and very large waves and just not wear a leash. But I think that leashes are just super important, especially when you're learning, because if you lose that board, like you want to be able to just grab it, like pull it from your ankle, um, just so you have that flotation device. And if you almost make it all the way out there and you lose your board, that's going to be a long swim in and a frustrating paddle back out. But I think as for leash sizes, I, I typically go for a leash that is like the exact length of the board from tail to nose. You don't want anything too long and you don't want to be on a long board with a really short leash as well. And as for me with my leash experiences, there was one time when I was surfing in the ESA Easterns and the Outer Banks where it was really, really, really big. I ditched my board. If I didn't have a leash, I don't know what I would have done. I ditched my board and 
I was I was put really 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 far under the water like really deep and luckily like I had the leash so I could tell which way was up because it was really dark and I was able to kind of like use that leash as a guide to kind of getting back up above the water and without a leash and you lose your board you can kind of just be floating there and I think it can be a really dangerous thing. I know um, when it's smaller sometimes it can be nice just to have that freedom but I um, I typically wear a leash all of the time and I've definitely had my swims in and sometimes um, actually two weeks ago I was teaching a surf lesson and there was um there was some hurricane swell it was pretty big and my um the girl I was teaching her leash broke and that's why I always carry a board with me because then if you have to swim in or especially if you get say you don't have a leash and you lose your board and you get sucked into a rip current or something then it's just you out there and it can be pretty scary so that's why you also want to make sure like if you do decide to pick up surfing you want to be confident in your swimming ability as well just because if anything happens you want to be able to keep yourself afloat yeah that's that's super important too like i i have so many stories of like breaking leashes and like big surf mm -hmm. and like even i like i've almost drowned multiple times with stupid stuff like leashes snap and just making sure that your leashes are like up to par and good and in good condition like that's a huge thing too and i feel like a lot of people don't look at that i mean for me i mistakenly don't look at that a lot of times like i have big wave leashes that i go surf mavericks with all the time that i've had for like two or three years and i like look at the leash and i'm like now i look at the leash and i'm like ah oh, this is a bad leash i'm gonna throw this thing out you know like it can get <laughs> sketchy and you're getting sucked out or like drilled down to the bottom and um when the surf gets big you really need to check your equipment out as well speaking of like Absolutely. swimming and stuff like that like do you guys require swim lessons before you uh start teaching them um not necessarily i mean obviously we would prefer it that you you knew how to swim and um if you if you did not know how to swim we would not take you out where you could not touch but we do sometimes get really young kids maybe three or four and all that we require is that if you cannot swim obviously we would take you out on a big day and we require that you wear a life jacket because as a beginner you know there will be a lot of falling and it's normal for everybody everybody falls i fall all the time still and it's just if you cannot swim like you you can still use the leash which is important to pull yourself back to the board but it's just really important to be able to keep yourself afloat so we do require a life jacket for anyone especially like all of the younger kids and especially if you do not know how to swim uh what about like paddling techniques and stuff like that do you go through like paddling techniques when you're out in the water yeah absolutely i think another common mistake is people like if you're on the board that this is the board right here you want to kind of paddle right next to the board but some people will have really wide arms and kind of just do this and that really won't get you anywhere it's sort of like i think of it because i used to paddleboard a lot as well and if you take that paddle and you're paddling really far away from the board it's not really going to move you forward but you would you just so you really want to make sure your arm is really next to like really close next to the board and you want to like i guess dig deep technically because some people kind of just like slap the the tops of the water and that's also not going to move you very far very quickly so you kind of just want to make sure i sort of compare it to like freestyle swimming like you just want to make sure that um you know you're digging through the water with your arms like that one at a time and you also kind of want to scoop the water you don't want to paddle like with your hands spread out like this or anything because that's also not going to be very effective 
And one other thing that I go over that I think is very important and something I struggled with when I was kind of like a beginner to kind of intermediate is when I would think that I might not be able to catch the wave, I would start double paddling with both of my arms. But um, my old coach, Tony Salvani, told me that like that's actually a mistake and it's not going to help you go any faster and actually slows you down. So if you really feel like you might you may or may not be able to get into that wave, you do not want to double paddle like you always just want to keep going one arm at a time. Do you have any other advice or like tips or tricks for beginners if they're listening in right now trying to learn how to surf? I think my biggest piece of advice is obviously never to give up because I know it can be frustrating. And there's some people that I've seen, I've taught so many people how to surf that can pick it up really easily and very naturally. And there's some people that it doesn't quite come so natural to, but everyone has always stood up and you can always do it like any other sport. It's not going to be easy whatsoever. and but you just want to make sure that you just keep trying and like don't let it get you down. And like I mentioned earlier, I think it's also important to kind of study the spots around you to make sure you're going to a safe, best beginner spot and just make sure that you're paddling out on days where it is smaller um, as compared to like bigger days or hurricane swells here. And if you have never surfed before, I definitely recommend either taking a lesson or if you have a friend that would paddle out with you, but definitely just not to go out by yourself the very first time because you just wanna have somebody that can kind of tell you what you are doing wrong and what you can do better just to kind of help you, like guide you on how to learn how to surf. And also definitely recommend a soft top board that is a little bit taller than you because if you go out, typically some people will have like some old boards, like some old yellow boards that are like six foot kind of narrow, like very thin. And those are just really hard to surf on, especially here on the East Coast in general when the waves are really small. So trying to learn on something that doesn't float you right um, is definitely not the best idea. So I recommend just trying to get the best beginner gear and go to the best spots at the best times. And, you know, always just have someone else to paddle out with for sure. How gnarly was it growing up on the East Coast and like learning how to grind out waves for like you personally? It it was it was pretty gnarly. I think going to other places, I've taken a lot of trips to Central America and California and Hawaii and realizing how much better my surfing is when I am on waves like that can definitely like it's exciting, but it can also kind of get me down because I'm like, well, I feel like most of the days here on the East Coast, I don't feel like I can surf to my full potential because I have to work to get speed on the waves. As for when I was in California, I felt like it just came naturally. And I just feel like learning here on the East Coast, it can be tricky and it can be frustrating. And I think that it can take a lot longer to get better at turns and getting speed and pumping down the line and things as it, and as it would in other places, absolutely. Um, yeah, I just think that like there's no consistency here and a lot of times no power behind the waves. And when it does get good, there tends to be a very, very, very small window of time where it is good. And sometimes that window can happen in the middle of the night and you miss it. So it's definitely a lot trickier here, kind of learning how to surf and just making sure you're on the right equipment. But I'm still really glad that I grew up here. And I think that learning how to surf here when it is small 
like for contests and stuff can kind of sometimes give me an advantage because the waves that some people may think are really bad or wouldn't paddle out in, like I would get super excited over. So I think it just makes me really appreciative over all of the waves that I get to surf. Yeah, you're probably frothing on like three foot surf in California. I love that. That's so sick. Oh, absolutely. I absolutely was. <laughs> um, I feel like with surfing, like like you said, like you went to Central and South America a lot. Like when you travel like and go to really good waves, it just makes you that much better of a surfer. And like when you have really good waves, you can be on a wave longer. So you really get to like maximize your time on a wave like you were saying and that's where you really grow in surfing too so for you like Absolutely. you're from the east coast and like you grind out like beach break waves that are wind swell and then you come to like california or whatever and we have point breaks and stuff and like your ability to surf here is just going to grow even more and people like that are taking lessons right now with you or in general all around the world if they can just learn how to paddle in themselves and surf by themselves and start somewhere if you get the the chance to travel like that's where you'll really grow um and that's that's just my opinion on it oh i come i completely agree with that 100 percent. i think that um yeah i think that if i didn't have the chance to travel i wouldn't be as good as i am and i think that just having that experience and all kinds of different waves like different bottoms like rock and reef breaks different crowds like it's so important and I just think that it really allows you to grow as a surfer, for sure. Rad, Kaylin. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about this. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Quick and easy, and I really appreciate it. And I hope everybody listening in right now can uh, learn a couple things. And if you're on the East Coast, hit up Kaylin and go do some surf lessons. What company do you work for? Oh, yeah, I work for Tony Silvani Surf School in Carolina Beach. And highly recommend it. Definitely, if you're if you live anywhere near there, you should come take a surf lesson. Request me as an instructor. <laughs> I would love to teach. Like I love to teach. I love sharing like my passion for surfing with um, just like anybody, and just watching people like getting so excited as they catch their first wave. It's awesome, and I would do it every day. That's epic. So, uh, real quick, I want you to shout out your Instagram and any like other social media that you have, so people can hit you up and follow you on there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I just have Instagram right now and it's just Caitlin Sewell, K-A-T-E-L-Y-N-S-E-W-E-L-L. -L. But yeah, that's that's all my social media that I have and definitely give me a follow. Sick. Yeah, let's get you uh, let's get you some shout outs on here. Thank you so much, Caitlin, again for coming on and uh, we'll catch everybody next time on Above and Below. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for listening in to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Real Salt Life. If you've enjoyed this episode, rate and review us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast to help spread the word. And remember, stay salty.